follow it up as we're in the midst of that trial. What does God call us to do? And I think that's a legitimate question. I think that's a good question, and it's one to wrestle with. And the text that I chose this morning, it really does speak about walking with integrity. Now, uh, when we think about uh, integrity, we remind us of our five core values. I put it back in the outline this morning, uh, at least in the PS notes from me. First one is grace. We experience grace at the cross. That's the arrow goes down. The result of that is the arrow goes up. Our response to God's grace is naturally worship. A third thing that we note is that as a body of Christ, we do not live in isolation. So wonderful that Ron could share that about his uh, cousin this, this morning. And we as a body of Christ can pray about that. That's because we're togetherness. We are in community. We should be free to do that, that kind of thing, even in a worship setting or, or privately with one another. Um, so these are core values. We have all experienced the grace of God. We're here to worship him. We worship in community. We serve in community. And then our mission is beyond the church walls. Uh, when we leave here, it's not that whatever's said and done here stays here. It's not like Vegas. Uh, we actually go out and we actually share what God has done in our lives and in our hearts. And uh, I still think one of the greatest ways that you can witness is using your personal testimony to tell people about what Christ has done in your heart. But then we talk about integrity because all of this undergirds everything. If we worship him and we live in community and, and we, we do the mission, but we do it without integrity, I believe it hurts the gospel. And also, as we live our Christian lives, we're going to encounter those trials and we can be joyful in the fact that God is doing something in a trial, even though the trial may hurt. And so what I want to look at this morning is how to push through when those trials hit us. David is a classic example here. Now, the background to this psalm its uh, author is King David, and it's a royal psalm. They use this psalm at the inauguration of kings, sometimes even for the New Year's festivals. But there's three key players here. There's King David, there's God, and there's the people. David in this psalm is making a statement that he will obey God and serve the people faithfully. That's a pretty good overview of Psalm 101, also eight verses long. But David is making a commitment to God, and there's some things that David doesn't quite have worked out as we'll unpack these first four verses. But one thing's very clear up front. Um, and I, I want to add this too. Better is a poor man who walks in integrity than a rich man who walks in his crooked ways. So it's better to have integrity than money. It's, integrity is something that cannot be bought. Now, what King David does here, as we notice, the key is to commit to God's way, to commit to God's way. Immediately jumping off this page is love and justice. Notice what David, King David says, I will sing of the steadfast love and justice. To you, I will make music. Now, David is singing this, and I'm not going to sing it for you, because I've already sung that once, and when I heard myself on tape, I was like, oh. I sound really good in the shower. I sound like Elvis in, in the shower, but I guess out, out here, it's, it's bad. But it was sung to God and the people. And David is making a commitment. I will sing of the steadfast love, the hesed love of God. That's the Hebrew word, steadfast love, hesed love of God. 
It means a time of devotion, a steadfast love. Um, and it's based on a prior relationship. So when he says, I will sing of the steadfast love and justice to you, I will make music. David is offering and acknowledging that God is steadfast in his love. And that love that, that is mentioned here really comes at Mount Sinai when God gave the people. He says, if you do this, I will do this. And God is faithful to do what he has said he will do. So it goes all the way back to Mount Sinai. Most scholars would, would say that it was uh, integral and connected to Mount Sinai. He also uses the word here, mispot. Mispot, which is the word for justice. It means deciding a case. God is a wise judge. But I want you to understand something here today. That I think this is the bedrock for integrity. And I think that's why David brings it right up front immediately. He doesn't say, oh, Lord, you're great, which he is. But he said, I will sing of your steadfast love and justice. If we do not have a hesed love for people and a hesed love for God, we will never be able to fully live out the life that God has called us to do. Because the word justice here means to be judicial in our decision making. You can have love. And you can have justice, and they're supposed to be balanced. If you have all love and no justice, that leads to, to liberalism. And if you have all love or no love and just justice, that leads to legalism. And that can be problematic. There, there needs to be a balance. David could have used any words that he wanted to here. But he chose, I will sing of the steadfast love. He had that relationship with God. I want you to listen to this today. God is faithful to you and me every moment of the day. Every moment. He loves you and he loves me in spite of sometimes what we do. You, you, can, never, you can never shake that. I want you to understand this morning. God is faithful. Always. At all times. And I get it. Sometimes we don't see it, but he is faithful. So, David wants to possess these qualities. Again, this love and justice issue, brothers and sisters, it is vital to establishing because he doesn't put integrity first, he puts it second. King David knows if he's going to be a righteous king, he has to love on one hand and he has to judge on the other. That's what we do in our lives. On one hand, we have to love others. And on the other hand, we have to make judgment calls. And then when those two are working in combination, you have laid the foundation for integrity. And I think that's why David puts it up front. Love God and judge rightly. And of course, for kings, that's the best way to do it. And for us, in our lives. Not only love justice, sorry, I should have made that brighter, but reflection. In verse 2a, these are three words uh, in Hebrew, eight words in English. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Okay, you see this now. Love and justice are the foundation. That's the foundation. I don't think you can get to this part unless you've got the first part. And then he says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. 
To possess these, these qualities of love and justice, David has to do something alongside of that. Again, this is all geared towards integrity. Shahad derek tamim. Three words in Hebrew, eight in English. Shahal, to give attention or heed to something serious. So David is saying, I will ponder, I will seriously consider the way of righteousness. I will seriously consider the way of the blameless. I am, I'm not just going to say, well, okay, I read that. Now I'm going to go on and live my life. No, David, King David is saying, if I'm going to be a good king, and you could say it this way, if I'm going to be a good Christian in this world, I need to ponder the way of the blameless. I need to take this, this walk of integrity seriously. But I walk in integrity with love and justice. It's not something that we just read we read a verse and we lay it down and we go about our business and don't think about it anymore. No. When David says, I will ponder, shahal, I will give attention or to heed to it. Then he uses the word the way. Isn't it interesting? In the New Testament, the early church was called the way. It was called the way. He says, I will ponder the way, the derek. That word refers to a path or a highway. So here as you live your Christian life, you are walking on your path. You may encounter trials that you fall into. But at that point, uh, even in the midst of that ditch, you're going to continue the way. You're going to continue walking. And you walk in love and justice and blameless. Now, blameless does not mean perfection. But it does mean that, uh, that you live in such a way that people cannot come back upon you and say, wow, look what you did here. And if they do that, this is pastoral theology here. If they do that, this is what your response should be. I am sorry, I should not have done that. It is okay to apologize for something that you've done wrong. In fact, I would encourage it. We should be quick to apologize and slow to judge. He says here, and think about King David. God, I will sing of your love and justice, and I'm going to ponder the way of the blameless. As I'm living my life, this is going to be evident in my life as I live and as I go forward. I'm going to seek to live my life in a way that is blameless. Tamim. Now, this word means morally good. How can you become morally good when you are making bad decisions in your life? How can you be morally good when you don't love what is, what is right? And uh, David says, okay, in order to, to uh, and he is reflecting here. He says, I'm going to ponder the way of the blameless. I am going to focus on this. I'm going to give attention to it. As I live my life, I am going to seek to be morally pure. And also the word can mean not liable for wrongdoing. Let me say this. This side of heaven this side of heaven, we are going to fall short. But that doesn't mean that just because I know that I'm not going to be blameless, that doesn't mean that we go, oh, well, it doesn't matter then. It matters a lot. It matters a lot. When you go out in this world, brothers and sisters, and you claim Christianity, I will tell you this firsthand, people are watching. 
not only are they watching, they're listening. What are they going to read about God through you and me? That's a, a, a tough thing. Now, wh- where would David, how is he going to ponder the way of the blameless? By what standard would he use to measure the way of the blameless? He used the Torah. Right here. You want to know how to live a blameless life and not perfect, but blameless, and that is people can't say, look, look what you did. I think Paul writes about this too in the New Testament. So do some others in, in, in the New Testament uh, that live in such a way that they can't blame you for something. To be, to be living above. And where David was going to ponder this was he was going to ponder it in his word. Oh yes, know that the Lord, he is God. He is the one who made us. And uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise and give him praise and honor his name. Uh, let steadfast love endurance endure forever. These types of things. David was going to put this into action in his life. But David makes an acknowledgement here. We're talking about King David that was said he's a man after God's own heart. Listen to this. Listen to what he says. After he says, I will ponder the way of the blameless. He immediately says this. Oh, when will you come to me? David realizes in his own life that he's lacking in this area. And it does suggest that David is lacking, but he wants to learn. He wants to grow. You know what? (laughs) We all have areas that we can grow in. None of us in this room have arrived. None of us. There are areas in what I would like to call blind spots in our own lives that sometimes others can see and we can't see them. But David says, when will you come to me? Love, justice, blamelessness. So David, and I think it's good to be a little humble in our Christian life as well. How many verses have we read? God exalts the humble, destroys those that are prideful. Just walk humbly. That doesn't mean weakly or meekly. There's time for that too. But it doesn't mean that we cave. But it does mean that we realize the sense of our own faults and shortcomings. It's so easy to see shortcomings and faults in others, right? And be totally oblivious to our own shortfalls and and shortcomings. And I think it's good as we live our Christian life to acknowledge, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that. Um, you're right, maybe that is an area that I need to, to work on. We don't like to be criticized. And what one professor called critiqued. We don't like to be critiqued because we're perfect in every way. I, th- I think there was a country song like that. We're perfect in every way, something like that. I don't listen to country music, but I did hear something like that one time. So... <laughs> um, So commit to God's way. Put your name in here this morning. Will you sing? Will I sing of love and justice? Do you and I ponder the way of the blameless? 
I mean, is it, is it a fixture in our life? Or is it something that we read and we go about our daily lives without ever thinking about it again? That's, a, that's what David said. At least it's his heart's revealing here. Um, oh, when will you come to me? David realizes he's not quite got it all figured out. And if we were real in our own hearts this morning, none of us have it all figured out. I tell you when you and I will have it all figured out is when we're standing before the one who redeemed us. And that'll be a glorious day. I think we sang about that this morning as well. Commit to God's way and walk with integrity. Commit to God's way. So this morning, what I want us to do is, as, as a congregation is I want us to commit our lives to reflecting the steadfast love and justice of God. And I want us to ponder the way of the blameless. That is, I want us to start walking that way. We can hear and not do, but we would rather hear and do. Be not only hearers of the word, James would say, but doers of the word. Now this walk in integrity, David goes inward. You could maybe circle it, put a heart inward. I will walk with integrity of the heart. Let's look at this word heart. Lave. We've seen that word before. It refers to the thoughts, the feelings, the emotion. So David is pulling this inwardly. And by the way, what you believe inwardly surfaces outwardly. In what is said or what is not said. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth. We're talking here, David now has said, wait a minute, to get there, to get to that blameless state and to express God's love, something has to happen inwardly. Now watch. I will walk with integrity of heart. Integrity. It's the word tomb. Sounds like tomb, but it's tomb. That word refers to a clear conscience of inward, inward, inward morality and also refers to a clean slate. Tabula rasa, clean slate. How do you get a clean slate? If David's saying here, I want to walk with integrity and moral integrity, how do I do that? I don't know of any other way except through repentance. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And how far when you ask for forgiveness and we ask forgiveness of our sin, how far does God get rid of it? From the east to the west, so have I removed your sin. See, I think... <laughs> This is probably the, the most critical. If you're going to walk with integrity, you have to have this all cleared out to be able to do it. So David is saying, as I go inward, I have to reflect on what my life is really about, and I have to get rid of those things. I'm not trying to be legalistic here. I want you to understand. This is about a personal relationship with God. Um, many of us would not want to stand before God at certain times in our lives because of what's in our heart. 
That doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Look at King David, great example. He did all kinds of stuff that, and then God said he's still a man after my own heart. I, I get that, but the issue here is to go inward and say, okay, Lord, these are things that I know are in my heart that should not be there, and I ask for forgiveness, and I ask you to cleanse it. Then you get to a spot of tabula rasa. I would maintain that if we started our day with, Lord, clear my heart of yesterday's junk, Help me to live a blameless life today. Help me to love justice, but also to love others and to seek to live a pure life in this world. Keep my, my heart focused on you. Amazing. He, he's just said, uh, you know, I sing of your love and justice and I want to ponder the way of the blameless, but when will you come to me? And David says, when you come to me, it will be something that happened in my heart. See, this is still a, even though, I think here David's talking between him and God, but ultimately, as he lives this out, it will actually flow over into the people to go, there's the great King David. Boy, does he love God. They could say, there goes the great Pam. I picked nobody in this church named Pam, so that's good. There goes Pam. What a woman for God. There goes Bill. What a great person for God. That Very, very, very crucial that the heart be dealt with. So do you have any sins that you know should not be in your heart this morning? The way to get rid of it is simple. God, I ask for forgiveness of my sin, and he will cleanse you. And you start anew with a clean slate. And sometimes it may not be, you know, I do this. Sometimes it may be the sin of unbelief or unforgiveness or whatever it may be. It may not be a big sin, what I would consider a big sin. But, it, you know, he's talking here about cleaning my heart. He says, I will walk, listen to this, this is important, because if it starts at the home, listen, I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I remember taking New Testament theology from, from Dr. Cook. Um, I didn't agree with a lot of Dr. Cook's views, he was Southern Baptist, I didn't agree with a lot of his views and how he saw scripture. In fact, I, we even had meetings in his office and I would talk to him about it. But one thing Dr. Cook said that stuck with me, which proves that you can disagree with somebody theologically and still learn from them. He said this, you are, and I wrote it down, that's how I got it memorized and it, I flowed when I wrote it this week. You are no better a Christian than you are when you are in the dark. You are no better a Christian than what you are in the dark. That is when nobody can see you. You're no better a Christian. The great C.S. Lewis said it this way. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. If we're doing, 
If we're doing the wrong thing when nobody is watching, chances are we're doing the wrong thing when everybody is watching. And even if we're doing the wrong thing here and we're doing the right thing here, there is one that still knows it. And that's God. God knows it. Yeah. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. That's good. I will walk with integrity of heart in my house. Look at how you're living your life when you're home. That's how you are as a Christian. There shouldn't be any difference. And we could all say this morning, if we could all agree, oh, when will you come? <laughs> oh, when will you come, right? Walk with integrity, our hearts, and then he talks about purity. Now, I'm putting this in the context of as we live our Christian lives, as we go out, even in the midst of trials and hardships and pain, this is how we roll. This is how we live our Christian lives. I will not, negative imperative, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. How much of our day is spent looking at things that are worthless? Maintaining purity begins with removing anything that is detestable to God. I don't have my phone with me, but you know what I mean. What you look at. David says, I will not set my eyes on anything that is detestable. Because if you're walking with integrity of heart, you won't set before you anything that is inappropriate. Do you know the junk that's on TV today? I mean pure trash. And yet, I hear Christians talk about this pure trash all the time. Did you see this? Did you see? No, I didn't see that. Just the... Just the the commercial for the show tells me I don't want to watch it. Right? So David's saying, I'm not going to set anything before my eyes that would not reflect what is in my heart. So there may be a connection between our heart and what we are observing or what we permit into our world. A lot of things, if we were to be honest with each other, a lot of things should not come into our world that we let in every day. And again, that's Sitting around the water cooler. Hey, did you watch that new Bachelor or whatever else, the show they had on? Oh, yeah, yeah, and the Christian's talking all about it, knows all about it. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing. Sing on Sunday, sin on Monday. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. I don't want to project that. It doesn't mean that we... It just means that we need to be careful about what we watch, what we observe, what we put in front of our eyes. We need to be careful. I realize we're not, we're not there yet, but it doesn't mean that we say, because we're not there, I can just go ahead and do it anyway. There needs to be that tension. And then he says, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Devak. Devak means stick to me. It will not stick to me. Those who fall away have deeds of crookedness. 
I might have shared this. I've got a few minutes. Good. Um, I know I think I told you all about the very first church I was in. This guy called me. He was a pastor. And he said, I'd like to take pictures for your church. And after we get all the pictures together, um, this was lesson learned, by the, by the way. Um, so he said, we're going to give you a, a album. Every church member will have an album with a, it's a, it was a directory with names. And the, the day came, two days, I think he was there Friday and Saturday. People from a church came, they got their pictures taken, and never got our directory. I called his number, no answer. Sat in my office, talked about how he loved Christ. Talked about uh, our company is a company of, rep of, of, of good reputation. We have integrity. And we never got that. I don't know why I remembered that. But he said, I'm a pastor too. And I'm like, you can't be crooked in your deeds. You can't say one thing and do something else. When you say something, do it. Follow up on it. And don't do it underhandedly. That's not what we're about. We have to be honest in our, in, in, in our dealings. And that man will forever be in my heart about what it looked like for a man to call himself a pastor that loved Jesus and cheated the church. I don't know how he, I, I don't know how he slept at night. Maybe he had become so numb to it. Maybe that was his, his go-to thing with pastors. Yes, I love, I love the church. I love Jesus. And by the way, I'm a pastor too. I pastor the crooked church down the road. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, part of integrity is doing what is right. Part of integrity is living a life of integrity without cheating to get what you want. We don't cheat. We need to be careful of that. Even if it's a little cheat, it's still cheating. In football and other sports, they have rules that identify cheating. I think just recently, the Houston Astros were under a big investigation of how they cheated stealing signals from the other pitchers and why all of a sudden their batters could hit the ball. And MLB has come down on them and a few other teams now for cheating. Now, when that happens, let's just play with that for a minute. We're talking about crookedness. When that happens, it not only affects the teams involved, but it affects baseball in general. When you and I are crooked in our dealings with people, people go, that's what a Christian's about. So when another Christian comes along and says, I just want to, you're a liar. Because I've had Christians who have lied. David said, I don't want part of that. And then he said, a perverse heart. So I want you to watch this. I'll not set anything before me. I will hate the wicked, uh, the, the work of those who fall away. It will not cling to me. I'm going to make a decision right now that I am not going to be 
And then, by the way, falling away means deeds of crookedness. I am not going to let that cling to me. I'm going to drop that, and I'm going to be honest and transparent and open. And then he says, a perverse heart. David's just cleared out his heart. Notice this. A, perver a, pervert, a perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Crooked thoughts. Crooked thoughts lead to crooked actions. What you believe in your heart will come out as you live your Christian life. I wish I could have another encounter with that guy that cheated us. Of course, he never answered, so <laughs> hard, hard to get a hold of him. And it doesn't mean at times we're not going to stumble. I want to make that clear. I realize that. But David says, I, because I've got my lave cleared out for God, I'm going to live for him. And all of this can be wrapped into the fact that even if we are suffering ourselves, we walk with integrity. And it's easy when we fall into trials, when we have hardships, it's easy for us to forget we still have a Christian life to live. We still have a Christian life to live. And we live that before a world that needs to see it. Walk with humility. If I could say this, just love and justice. Focus on being blameless. It doesn't mean perfection. But focus on as far as me and my heart. I don't want somebody to come up and say, this is what you did. And if they did, and you did, it should be an opportunity for you to say, I am sorry. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. I ask for forgiveness. That is the high course. That's the high course. And then seek each day to follow him and just make, just make a decision today just that you're going to walk with integrity. Sometimes it will hurt to do that. But it's always right to do what is right.